It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It is episode seven of This Week in Fantasy as we preview week two of the NFL season. Hard to believe that we are already through a full week of NFL football after waiting as long as we did for real live action. We have actually seen a week's worth and now heading into week two. And uh, I'm going to run through the entire slate and just point out a few things that I notice in each game, uh, and then we're going to get to Sigmund Bloom, who's got some awesome stuff on overreacting, reacting, what is right to do, and and that's what I want to do before I jump into the slate. Just a quick service announcement about the idea of, of overreacting. You hear a lot not to overreact to week one, you know, and, and it's true. Don't get me wrong. You don't want to you know, be all in on a guy all offseason in the preseason, and then he has a bad week one and completely bail. Having said that, it is important to react to week one. There are signs that you will get week one that will tell you what is going to happen moving forward. So it, I know it's a kind of a fine line and a, a kind of ineffable thing here to, to, to define, but there is a big difference between overreacting and sticking with your guys and reacting appropriately. So, you know, you really need to, to look at those week one performances and try and find out what is real and what's more noise. Uh, and maybe we'll help as we kind of go through the games here. And, and like I said, Sigmund Bloom coming up, we're going to go through a lot of these. We've got overreactions with Sigmund Bloom. We ask if he's worried about certain guys or not. And, and we're really going to get into that. But first, as I said, let's Let's just quickly run through this slate. I'm literally going to talk about every single game this week and just give you a few quick notes on each one, kind of who to look for, what to look out for, and all that. Um, let's start with a, uh, one of the best games of the week at the AFC North battle between the Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, AJ Green is a beast, and I think he's going to be a beast Every single week, but especially this week, I really like him against the Steelers. Number one receivers have dominated the Steelers over the last year. I like A.J. Green a lot. I like him pretty much just about as much as I like Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe a tad below, but the point being that that A.J. Green really is in that top class of wide receivers. And we saw it last week, even though Darrell Rivas, not as good as he used to be. Uh, on the other side of this ball here... Um, I like, obviously, Antonio Brown every single week. He is a go-to guy, DFS, whatever. But D'Angelo Williams, uh, we saw how valuable the Pittsburgh running back is. And I know we're a few weeks away from Levy and Bell, but 
D'Angelo Williams is going to win people some leagues this week and next week uh, because he is a stud and a top 10 running back, really close to top five when you look at it. So don't forget how important that Pittsburgh running back position is. All right, let's move on to that Tennessee-Detroit game. This is an interesting one from a fantasy perspective. Really want to focus on that Detroit offense has kind of been one of the you know, talks of fantasy so far. And uh, guess what? I kind of agree. I really like where this Detroit offense is at. I like what I've seen from them so far this week, obviously. And if you go back to the eight games last season that Jim Bob Cooter was the offensive coordinator, I'm sure you've heard it if you've read any fantasy articles or seen anyone talk about it. Matthew Stafford has 22 touchdowns and two interceptions since Jim Bob Cooter took over. That That's... I mean that's definable for me. That's that's I know it's not the hugest of sample sizes, but that's something that matters to me when I see that type of number and you see the way Stafford's playing in this offense. I am very very bullish on Matthew Stafford both this week and moving forward, but specifically for this game, I would feel good starting all of my Lions. That Tennessee defense outside of Jarrell Casey is not very good. On the flip side though, you know, I, we didn't see a very good showing from that Tennessee offense last week. You have to think they'll do better this week against a Detroit defense that was eaten alive by Andrew Luck, only not quite enough for Detroit to lose the game, but uh, certainly a a solid matchup for Tennessee. I would feel as good as you can starting uh, guys in in a mostly bad offense. This is a good week to get those guys in the lineup. All right, Baltimore-Cleveland, a game not super exciting. Uh, I think anyone who saw the Eagles game knows that Cleveland is really fucking bad, like Maybe the worst team in the league bad. Probably the worst team in the league bad. Having said that, Josh McCown back under center. You have to like Gary Barnage a little bit. Put up a goose egg in week one. I'm sure the Gary Barnage owner is not super psyched about that. But obviously he was very successful last year with McCown. So I like Barnage. I think that's a legitimate kind of narrative there. He will be better with McCown. And that offense, even though RG3 more talented than McCown, I think the offense as a whole might run a little better. And guys like Duke Johnson and... Isaiah Crowell might have a little bit more value, even though you're not going to get a ton of fantasy value out of that offense, I think. Uh, Baltimore on the flip side, kind of a very unsexy offense. No one you really like. It's a bunch of guys who are you know, riding your bench. But uh, if you had to start a running back, I guess it's four set. Uh, I'm probably staying away. Flacco is actually a really decent play this week if you've got a quarterback who's got a really bad matchup. But for the most part, this game not filled with fantasy goodness. Let's move on to the Dallas-Washington matchup. I think Washington might be bad, guys. <laughs> I think they might be a bad football team. They looked really bad against Pittsburgh on Monday night. Again, you talked about it before. Don't want to overreact to that performance. But I'm down on Washington after that one. I think Dallas actually wins this game. I like Zeke a lot this week. I think they're going to get him involved. 20 carries last week. Didn't get the ball moving at all against Damon Harrison and that beastly Giants defensive front there that has been revamped and is significantly better. Uh, but I still think Dallas is able to put up some points against this Washington defense. And I think Kirk Cousins is a decent play this week as well. Dallas's defense, not very good, does not get a lot of pressure. Uh, but I think Dallas ultimately will come out on top, both from a fantasy perspective and real life. All right, New Orleans heads into New York to take on those Giants. We all remember what happened last season when these two teams squared off 52 to 49 in New Orleans. Drew Brees, uh, Eli Manning, I think Drew Brees had seven touchdown passes. Eli had six. I don't think it's going to be quite that much of a fantasy goodness type of thing this week, but start everybody in this game. This is a game that will have a lot of points. 
Giants defense is better. It's not that much better, and it's certainly not good enough to stop this Saints offense. Flip side, that Saints defense might be the worst in the league outside of Cleveland. Uh, losing Delvin Bro, their best cornerback easily uh, for at least six weeks, uh, that's bad. I think the Giants throw all over them. I would feel good starting any Giants receiver, even feel good starting Rashad Jennings this week. Eli, of course, and again, everyone on that other side of the ball as well. A little nervous about Colby Fleener after the poor preseason and, and rough week one performance, but... They paid him a lot of money. I think they want to get him involved. So I'll be a lot more nervous if Kobe Fleener doesn't show up again this week. All right, let's move on to a game with probably less points. The San Francisco heads into Carolina. It is a tough spot for the Niners. Coming off that Monday night win over the Los Angeles Case Keenums in one of the ugliest football games you will ever see. Short week, 1 o'clock start across the country in Carolina. The Panthers, long week, coming off a loss in that Thursday night game. This has route written all over it. Panthers are a 13-point favorite. I think they cover that. I think there are fantasy points aplenty, as it were. Kelvin Benjamin, Cam Newton, James Stewart, I would feel good starting all of those guys. On the flip side, I don't feel great about any of the Niners, but if you're looking for like a cheap DFS play, Jeremy Curley looked very involved in that offense and is uh, near the minimum price in, in both of the uh, big DFS platforms. So, Kind of a potential sleeper volume type of play there. But uh, while that Niners offense did look much better against Los Angeles, a good Los Angeles defense, at least a good defensive line, um, it's hard to get too excited from what you saw in that week one performance. All right. Speaking of getting too excited, how about those New England Patriots and Jimmy Garoppolo taking on Miami? Miami almost found a way to squeak one out in week one against a... uh, Less than impressive Seattle Seahawks team. Uh, I think that this one might not be quite as close for the Dolphins. Even though the Patriots rocking the Garoppolo, they found a way to beat Arizona in Arizona. Uh, uh, Arizona, a better team than this Miami team. So while I do think Miami's going to be better this season as the season plays out, not as much this week. I'm avoiding starting any of my Dolphins if I can. There's no one who I feel really good about. I kind of really like this Patriots defense. They looked really good against a, uh, we think, talented Arizona offense. A lot of talent on this Patriots defense. So I would be weary about starting any of my Miami Dolphins this week, or leery is probably a better word. Weary as well. How about let's go with both of those. I'll feel leery and weary about starting any of my Dolphins. On the flip side, uh, you don't get super psyched about Garoppolo-led offenses, uh, but I think you have to feel at least decent about LeGarrette Blunt this week. It seems like the type of game where they are going to roll with the big dog and, and give him a fair amount of carries, especially if they're ahead, which you would expect. Gronk, again, that's the real issue with this Patriots team. Uh, apparently Gronk, uh, Mike Rice, uh, <clears throat> Mike Reese, excuse me, of ESPN came out earlier today and said that he wouldn't be surprised if Gronk sits again. Awesome as a Gronk owner in one league, that fucking blows. So, uh if Gronk's out, uh, I would have thought Martellus Bennett would would be better. Um, he wasn't last week. I would not feel great about him again this week. I think it's going to be more of a, a Legarrette Blunt and then, you know, Chris Hogan and, and Julian Edelman type of game like it was last week. But keep an eye on Gronk. Obviously, if he plays, you have to get him in the lineup. All right, uh, another of the best matchups of the week, in my opinion, as we head out to Houston, Kansas City heading into Houston. Kansas City, of course, had that. Uh, miraculous second-half comeback and overtime win over the Chargers after getting badly misplayed as soon as the Chargers lost Keenan Allen. That game shifted on a dime from a 
fantasy perspective, yeah, you have to be pretty happy with what you saw out of the Chiefs offense. Macklin had a decent enough game. He's clearly the number one there. Travis Kelsey's going to be involved in that offense. And, of course, Spencer Ware with a, with a terrific, terrific showing, especially in the passing game. Uh, having said that, a little nervous this week about the Chiefs, uh, mostly because they could be without both of their starting guards as uh, Patrick Erringer, and I'm not even going to try and say his name, uh, Levant Tuvade, Durdif, whatever it is, he's going to be out potentially too as both are injured, and uh, that, that worries me a little bit against a potentially dominant Houston defensive line and defensive front. So I'd feel a little bit more nervous about my Chiefs this week against that defense on the flip side. Houston, uh, Kansas City gave up a lot more rushing offense than I expected last week against the Chargers. Feel pretty good about Lamar Miller was clearly a monster part of that Houston offense. They are going to go to him. So I I would feel really good rolling Miller out. Little less good about the Houston passing game, though. I am a little more bullish after seeing how much struggles Kansas City had getting to the quarterback in week one, especially without Justin Houston there. It's a very noticeable absence in terms of a pass rush perspective. But having said that, I think if I had to lean towards one side from a fantasy perspective, I'm probably going to lean towards the Texan side. Let's move on to those 405 and beyond starts as we start with the Los Angeles Rams. Football is coming back to L.A. as Seattle in town. Uh, L.A. coming off about as, as atrocious a performance as any team can have in that Monday night 28 to nothing loss to the uh, San Francisco Chip Kellys. Case Keenum is not an NFL quarterback. He should he just shouldn't be out there. It's 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 bad. It's ugly to watch. They they were just completely outmatched offensively. Doesn't look like it's going to get much better this week against the Seattle defense that was dominant against Miami. That defensive front looked to be one of the best in the league right there with Denver and Carolina and those other, you know, defensive fronts that you think about. That Seattle defensive front is that good. Um, this feels like a really low-scoring game. L.A. has always played, excuse me, St. Louis, now L.A., has always played Seattle well from a, a defensive perspective. Obviously, they've won three out of the last four games against them. I have trouble believing that they're going to win after what I saw on Monday night. But with a banged-up Russell Wilson, I wouldn't feel that great about starting any of my Seahawks against this defense. I do think Seattle ends up pulling the game out. But again, from a fantasy perspective, really, you know, if you own Doug Baldwin, you're going to play him. If you own Thomas Rawls, in a lot of cases, you're going to have to play him. But for the most part, this game is a big, big stay away for me from fantasy perspective, except for that Seattle defense, which is actually one of the better defensive plays of the week, if not the best. Uh, all right, let's move on to Arizona as, as the Cardinals try to rebound from a really ugly week one showing against the Patriots. Taking on Tampa Bay, a much easier matchup, you would think, from a defensive perspective. Though we did see some life out of that Tampa D. Obviously, Gerald McCoy is a stud on that D-line, but Quan Alexander, that dude is a player. And obviously, Levante David back there as well in that linebacking core. They got some athletes there and some guys who can play, so I don't think they're a pushover. But you have to assume that Arizona is going to get back on track this week. I like that offense too much. There are too many pieces to have such another poor showing David Johnson, you've you got to figure they're going to just give that guy the ball and, and let him carry them because he was the only thing that really worked well outside of Larry Fitzgerald on Monday night, excuse me, on Sunday night against the Pats. So I would expect a big, big David Johnson game against a Tampa defense that struggles, especially against pass catching backs, as we saw with Tevin Coleman last week going up against them. On the flip side, you know, it's not the best matchup for the Tampa Bay offense, but. 
I still like Jameis, man. I, I, it looks like he's taking that leap. Uh, looked terrific against Atlanta in week one. Mike Evans looks to be uh, potentially over some of the issues he had last season. He is a, a physical freak, and at least reports coming out of Arizona this week were that Patrick Peterson would not shadow him the entire game. So if you can get Evans uh, on some of those other corners there, obviously uh, much less of a of a worry than if he's up against Peterson. So I think this game has the, the potential to actually be a lot more high scoring than one might expect. So I would feel pretty good about starting my guys in this game. Let's move on to the San Diego 425 start Jacksonville in town as we saw those Chargers put up a, a nice fight against the Chiefs in week one. But as I mentioned, losing Keenan Allen for the season, that torn ACL, that is a, a just a crushing, crushing injury for them. It really is. He was clearly the best player on that offense and Philip Rivers' favorite target. Uh, in terms of replacing him, Dontrell, Ilman, Dontrell Inman and Tyrell Williams are the two guys who will see the biggest bump in, in snaps and in targets. I like Tyrell Williams significantly more than Inman of the two. Williams has uh, had the better preseason, seems to have the better rapport with Phil Rivers, and also just seems like a more athletic, better player. So Tyrell Williams is an interesting name to grab. Uh, if he, I'm, I'm assuming he already got grabbed in a fair amount of leagues, but if he's still out there, I would certainly take a shot on him before this week so you can kind of get him in there before he blows up and has a good game, which is certainly potential against this Jacksonville defense, which is improved but still far from a, a shutdown defense at the moment. On the flip side, I like TJ Yeldon with Ivory out again. I think the Jags are going to throw the ball a lot. Yeldon, uh, decent in the passing game, will be used. So I feel good about TJ Yeldon here and good about the Jags offensively in general. Uh, 425 start as well in Oakland is Atlanta in town. Ugly, ugly showing from the Falcons in week one. The opposite from the Raiders, who look like a legitimate, legitimate playoff contender. Start your Raiders? Is it as simple as that? I mean, uh, Latavius Murray, he'll get the work. I, I like him on a touches basis. Long term, though, I know that Oakland just came out and said that they want to feature him more, and he's their guy. Jalen Richard looked good, man. And DeAndre Washington has looked good in the preseason and in college. I'm not the biggest Latavius Murray fan. I've said that on this podcast before. I think long term, over the course of this season— we're going to see him get less and less work because the guys behind him are, are just better, I think. And regardless, he's not doing enough when he's getting those touches to earn the fact that he would get all the touches. So I really do think that there will be a, a bit of a shift there as the season goes on. So, uh, But specifically for this week, I feel good with the matchup. you got to like uh, him against this Atlanta defense. Having said that, uh, Atlanta defense's strength is stopping the run, so I'm much more bullish on Carr and Cooper and Crabtree, especially Crabtree if Desmond Trufant is going to be covering Cooper a lot uh, as a really nice value play this week, but I, I feel very good getting a piece of that Oakland offense this week. All right, last of the 425 starts, or four, last of the non-night starts, as it were, in the in Denver that Denver defense, we saw it is back. It is still really good. Uh, Indy also in week one going up against Detroit did a nice job of of going down early like usual and then fighting back to lose just at the last second. It seems to be the Colts special. But we did see that Andrew Luck is back. We were reminded how good that guy is and how much better he can make people around him. Having said that, again, this is about as tough a matchup as he's going to have all season. So... I understand if you want to sit luck in leagues. I've heard a lot of people say they'd play Carr or Winston or Bortles over him. Personally, I, I wouldn't. I think that luck is going to put up numbers, even against a great defense. 
They'll probably be behind just because that's how they roll. So, you know, I think Luck will put up some points. I don't think he's going to throw for, you know, 385 and four touchdowns again. But I wouldn't totally veer away from your Colts. Obviously, if you have better options or, or similar options, you might want to take them against in a, a better matchup, as it were. But I'm not totally off of the Colts this week. On the flip side, you got to love your Broncos. Uh, obviously, Demarius Thomas with the injury, the hip injury, I would be a little afraid to roll him out, but I like Emmanuel Sanders with a potentially bigger workload this week. Love C.J. Anderson this week. We saw how good he can be, and that O-line looks really improved. So this is a big C.J. Anderson week. Feel very good about starting him. All right, two night games, 8.30 Sunday night start in Minnesota. This is a tough fantasy game to call because that Minnesota defense is straight legit, and that Green Bay offense is good, as obviously we know with Aaron Rodgers. I, I This is one of those games where you're, you're going to start your Packers for the most part, but if you have other options, I would really consider them, especially if it's a Randall Cobb or a Jordy Nelson. I don't know how you get away from starting him, depending on what's, your, what's on your team. But even still, if you can, that Minnesota defense is, is not worth trifling with, as it were. Um, so I would lean towards sitting my Packers. If at all possible, you're not sitting Aaron Rodgers. You can never sit Aaron Rodgers. But at least if you have options. And on the flip side, I feel very similarly about Minnesota. Even if Bradford does start, uh, I don't know how you can feel that great about this offense, especially with so little work with Bradford there. And if it's Hill... You know, we saw how bad that looked against a, a much worse Tennessee defense than this Packers D. So I'm kind of staying away. Again, if you have Adrian Peterson, I think you have to roll him out there. But for the most part, this game is more of a stay away for me than anything. Uh, let's round it out with Monday Night Football as those birds take on the Bears. A couple quick notes. Uh, Eagles-wise, Carson, motherfucking Wentz. I love that guy. Um, I don't know if he's a great play this week. In two quarterback leagues, I would certainly trot him out. But you're likely to have a quarterback on your roster better than him for this week if you uh you know if he's a backup for you but I do like J-Matt a lot. I, you know, I think we saw the Jordan Matthews last week since Wentz is going to be able to actually succeed a little bit in this league, I think right away is what I mean. Uh, Jordan Matthews got a ton of targets, converted on a lot of them and and is the number one piece of this offense, especially with Zach Ertz out for this game. Really, really like J-Matt moving forward, and especially this week, as well as if you want a sneaky tight end play, Trey Burton should get more work filling in for Zach Ertz, maybe more of a DFS type of play there, but Burton could be involved. Uh, I know that uh, the the coaching staff does like him. Uh, And on the flip side of the ball, Jeremy Langford, John Fox actually came out and ripped him a little bit this week, which was interesting, saying that uh, left some yards on the field. Uh, That's because Jeremy Langford's not very good, John. Not that hard to figure out, but um, regardless of his uh, level of talent, um, Langford did have the highest percentage of snaps of his team's snaps of any running back in the league in week one. So he's the guy. Long term, I don't feel great about him just because, again, I don't think he's that good. Uh, but specifically for this week, I could see rolling him out there, especially if for nothing else uh, on volume. Uh, but I think clearly the the one bear that you're really looking at this week is Alshon Jeffrey going up against the Leotis mckelvin Liss Eagles defense. Alshon had uh, four catches for 105 last week is healthy and is a beast, and they don't really have many other options. So if you have Alshon Jeffrey, he's a must-must start this week and a very good DFS play as well. All right, let us get into some overreactions. As I said before, some some worries, are you worried, all that good stuff, as we do what we do every week and bring in the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Sigmund Bloom will join us. And always, I'd like to welcome in our weekly guest. You can follow him over at footballguys.com. He is one of the owners and, of course, on Twitter at his name, at Sigmund Bloom. Mr. Sigmund Bloom, what's up, brother? 
not focusing too much on all the losses my team took, all my teams, too many teams. W- week one is about wisdom. It's about sitting back and learning what the NFL has to teach us, not so much about whether you're 0-1 or 1-0 because those first few trades, waiver wire moves you make can make or break your season. So we have to be humble and be willing to leave behind the things that we thought that are clearly not true until we find out maybe they are true. No, that's perfect because you also don't want to overreact and it's really tough and, and it's a perfect segue again i always say that sigmund doesn't want to know what we're talking about and he doesn't but he, he somehow finds ways to segue me right in there um so that's kind of what i want to go into it's week one um this will come out friday so i don't want to really focus on the waiver wire moves as much as more of the overreaction theater as uh, they used to say on the fantasy focus and uh, whatnot so um, I'm gonna fire a few uh, overreactions or not and then as a way to just mix up the uh, basically the labeling of it then I'm gonna change it to are you worried about them all right so first and uh, foremost let's start with these overreactions uh, Des Bryant will not be successful with Dak press Dak, Dak Prescott at QB overreaction or not uh I think that's too strong. I think that his success might be more erratic. Um, based on the reaction of week one, I would not try to trade him right now. I think Washington could be a bounce back. But I do think that you're putting feelers out there. So you'd want to look for players drafted around the third round, you know, maybe uh, C.J. Anderson or something like that. Um, so I th- And let me say as a, an aside really quick, don't overreact to week one, but react to week yes. one. Don't make the mistake of saying, I'm not going to do anything until I see more because the essence of fantasy football is making bold decisions with limited information. No, it's a great point, and that's why it's really key to find these distinctions. And like you said, you know, no one's dropping Des, but if you can get close to draft day value for him, maybe that's something you consider. All right, let's uh, move on to maybe a more positive one. How about this? Jameis Winston will be a top five fantasy QB this season. After the next five weeks, which includes his bye, because he's going to get Denver and Carolina and uh, uh, L.A., and Arizona in that stretch. So I say yes, you hold him, maybe starting somebody else for some of those weeks, and then once we get on the other side of the bye in week six, the good news is week 14, week 16, when fantasy championships are decided, New Orleans Saints on the schedule. Oh, man, that is terrific. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, too. I really like Jameis. I think he's taken that leap. He, I, I loved him coming out of college, and, uh, you know, slimmed down. He's got weapons. I'm excited about the prospect of him long-term this season. All right, uh, this is a dual one here, and, and feel free to separate them or, or do them both the same, but there is no way that either Thomas Rawls or Jamal Charles earns their draft day values. Charles, I think you can put in that category. Spencer Ware, you cannot put him back in the bottle now. I agree. It, it's a 50-50 committee when Charles comes back, and that is if Charles looks the way he did in the past. Rawls is taking back over as the starter. Uh, I think that he's going to have to lose that job to Kristen Michael, and while Michael ran well in week one, uh, Rawls should be able to hold on to it. So if he paid a fourth or fifth round pick for Rawls, should be okay. He'll be your running back two, not a running back one. Yeah, I actually 100% agree with you. I think Spencer Ware, if I had to choose one to own the rest of the season, I'd go with him. Uh, But Rawls, you know, just when you look at the touches as opposed to the, you know, he didn't have a ton of plays on the field, a ton of snaps, but almost equaled Michael's touches. So um, I I do like Rawls a little bit more than I did heading into week one. All right, Amari Cooper is a number one, let's say in a 10-team league, a number one fantasy wide receiver. 
Yes, and it wasn't just <laughs> New Orleans. It wasn't just, I mean, some of his... No, no, great. I just like the, the boom, well, yes. Well, because I think the, the only question we really had about Cooper was his performance dropped off in the second half of the year. Was it because of his foot? We saw him just with vast room to operate, getting open easily, and he didn't catch a touchdown. He had one just out of the end zone. Uh, I think you're going to see Cooper take that next step. I think you're going to see Oakland's offense continue to take that next step. And even though it was New Orleans, and this is a background, just as a quick aside again, you know, we do have to look for week two as that second data point to grade some of these offenses. You know, Detroit's offense looked great, but it was Indianapolis. Oakland's offense looked great, but it was New Orleans. Philly's offense, Carson Wentz looked great, but it was Cleveland. So we're going to take a look to see where the real mean, the real middle expectation is for these offenses. But I think Amari Cooper is going to be near the top, uh, whether they're facing New Orleans or not. I agree. Uh, interesting that you mentioned the Eagles offense. We'll get to that in just one second. But first... Let's go with that Arizona offense. The Arizona offense will not be close to as successful as it was last season. I know that's a general question, but... I, I think they'll still be at worst 85 or 90% as successful. David Johnson being more involved can make up for any erosion in Carson Palmer or to John Brown. I don't think there's any drop-off from Larry Fitzgerald. And remember, Michael Floyd wasn't healthy until week five or six last year. Uh, the offensive line hopefully will be better. So I still think this is one of our top five to eight fantasy offenses with David Johnson being a big reason why. Yeah, I like Johnson. I'm, I, they did, they, I didn't like their game plan against New England, but... Carson Palmer, I'm a little worried after, you know, that postseason performance last year, and then he looks shaky sometimes after those type of really atrocious postseason performances. It takes some guys some time to get back. But, all right, last of the, uh, the overreaction or not, you mentioned them. The Eagles will be a better fantasy offense with Carson Wentz at the helm than they would have been with Sam Bradford. Sure. Sure, because they're excited to play football. Look at that. Yeah. That's the Love thing. It. Whether Wentz is actually a better passer than Bradford, he's pumped life into this team. So Nelson Aguilar is making plays. Jordan Matthews is dominant now. Uh, it, Brian Matthews is having a game script. Now, again, we have to say Cleveland's going to be one of the high watermarks for any team Agreed. this year. Uh, so Chicago's not that much tougher, though. Yeah. So uh, I, I do think that, again, Matthews, uh, Aguilar is kind of a, a Hail Mary flex play this week. Matthews, Ryan Matthews should get his 18 to 20 carries uh Zach Ertz you know that's a bit of a bummer with his injury but overall things are looking up for Philadelphia and Carson Wentz he holds on to the ball too long or maybe is a little too bold out there that's much easier to fix than a quarterback that's too timid so congratulations Philadelphia you got a good one yeah I think so too we're 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 bullish here and uh I think it's a great point about infusing life into the team because it really did look that way um, so, yeah, we're definitely looking something that to... Sam Bradford has never been accused of. Doing. <laughs> yeah, he's so passive, man. Like even, you know, it's just a, he was a strange dude to root for for a year. But I, I have no ill feel ill, you know, will towards him. He got us a, a first and a fourth somehow. So I kind of love Sammy B. But we are all on the Wentz wagon. But um, agreed. The Browns probably going to be the worst defense in the league this year. So, um, all right. A, a few quick hitters here with the worried or nots. Um, let's start with Brandon Marshall. Not yet. Now, Buffalo, the matchup this week, uh, the game will have been played by the time that you hear this. But they have 
one of the best pairs of corners in the league. So it might be another slow week for Marshall. Quincy and Nunwa might have had his second solid game in a row. But I do think Marshall's going to get his in time. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a bold passer. And uh, I think you may see teams are going to come out like they did in week one, playing Marshall and Decker a little more as Matt Forte and Nunwa uh, show they can punish teams for leaving them alone. You'll see that start to pendulum swing back to Marshall. Okay, now this one you can take as uh, it is Todd Gurley I'm giving you, but if you want to, I'm saying because of the Rams' offense. Yeah, and that they haven't changed it, that San Francisco defensive players knew the play from the formation. That's the problem. There's gross malpractice. I'm afraid that maybe the best-case scenario for Todd Gurley owners at this point is that Jeff Fisher gets fired and he gets some new blood in here. Wow. But I, I would be worried. You know, like if you could trade Todd Gurley straight up for C.J. Anderson right now, you'd probably do that. Um, even though they went in the first and third round. If I, if I had a strong running backs otherwise, and I could trade Gurley for like Amari Cooper, who we just talked about, maybe even Mike Evans. Um, I think that it, I know it's one game you don't want to overreact. And Gurley still looked like a talented running back, but he's all they've got. And San Francisco is not exactly a scary defense. So perhaps we'll look back as a bit of a, a blip that things went so badly in week one. But on the opposite side of Carson Wentz, breathing life into an offense uh, it looks like uh, all the life is out of the rams offense with case, case keenum and there's no help on the way yeah jared goff man that uh i am happy to have carson wentz in that one two uh swap right there thank los angeles thank cleveland yes and it's very eerily reminiscent of donovan McNabb. you know yeah it's it's, it's another one of those situations where uh you know i was cleveland with tim couch cincinnati used to be like the uh, browns right with achilles smith there right well and i often think about how there's this alternate universe for all these different all these different alternate universes where teams made different choices how would the arc of the philadelphia franchise have gone andy reed not getting donovan McNabb? how would the arc of philly franchise gone now if la had decided they wanted carson wentz or cleveland decided they wanted carson wentz but uh good thing for philly fans is we live in this one where they got Wentz. see that's why we love segment and we're gonna get inside that mind because he's so deep like that all right segment i'm gonna jump to another quarterback two in a row really and i'll give them to you together kirk cousins and tyrod taylor and and you can toss sammy watkins in with taylor if you want to yeah i i'm stay away from the but buffalo and i don't know if i'm paying too close to home with some of the things happening you know it's like a super fun site it's like toxic waste and that <laughs> well it just sammy watkins makes that whole offense I go know, i agree and, and lashaw mccoy eventually you know he's going to be like uh the human shield that's eventually going to get worn down i actually I, wrote just i actually wrote the bills and then erased it and put tyrod and sammy just because i was like ah oh, shady had a good game it's all, but it, it's this is this is a nightmare scenario, and then you have Cordy Glenn banged up facing the Jets defense. Uh, this is gonna everyone's gonna watch this game again. You'll be listening to this and already watching. Maybe I'll look really stupid. See, this is a good thing about pre-recording, right? Is this could make for even better uh, content than you had planned on. Yes. But without Sammy Watkins, it's without Sammy Watkins stretching the field. We saw what I mean, Baltimore's defense is not bad. And again, we'll see what they do against Cleveland and Josh McCown this week. But I think that Buffalo just doesn't present anything that is a tactical advantage that they can leverage. And yeah, Rex Ryan is the head coach and Jets fans out there are going to nod along. Rex Ryan teams are so unoriginal, uninventive on offense. Uh, it's just going to be a rough, rough year for this offense. I really agree. I think he is uh, high up in the running for first coach to be fired. All right, last uh, last one, a guy you were very high on during the preseason, as was I. Um, and I'm not worried, but 
a little more worried than I was, Mr. Martellus Bennett. Well, we'll see if Rob Gronkowski gets back this week. That could help. Bennett helped the Patriots offense a lot with his blocking. And some of this was that Nate Solder didn't make the trip out to Arizona. So if he gets back on the field, that could help. We want Bennett running more routes. And then, of course, Tom Brady getting back on the field. Although Jimmy Garoppolo exceeded expectations. I, I think that Bennett, you know, you would start a Dwayne Allen over him this week. Maybe a Jesse James over him this week. Maybe a Virgil Green over him this week. Uh, but I do think you still have a very high ceiling there as a starter in a passing game, especially when Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Nate Solder get the band back together. Bennett hmm. can do some good things. I agree. All right, into the mind of Sigmund Bloom. We do it every week, and uh, let, let's uh, go with a little look around the world. Let's think about something nice today, Sigmund. Let's think about happiness. What is the nicest or coolest, however you want to look at it, place on earth that you've been to and, and for whatever reason? Hmm. Um, I will say uh, a, a little uh, island called Culebra and off of Puerto Rico. Um, it's part of Puerto Rico, and you have to take a little eight-seater plane or ferry to get out there. Untouched beaches. I mean, beaches that I was the only person walking on the beach. Um, beautiful, amazing beaches. It's as great as any beach you would look for in the Caribbean. Uh, a little island called Culebrita that you can – an actual desert island, like an island that doesn't have people living on it. Um, check it out. Uh, before awesome. It's one of those places that you get there and you think, this place – probably shouldn't still exist <laughs> i love any place you have to take the tiny plane to i think is pretty special at least you know when you're in the caribbean or whatnot so that's awesome well sigmund uh what's going on at footballguys.com this week and uh with the audible yeah uh the audible we we're coming at you with eight episodes a week. Um, you know, we've got an IDP show that I record on Wednesday nights on the couch this week. I Scott Pinowski from Yahoo. Got our recaps, our previews. We do live hangouts on Thursday night, Sunday morning. Uh, we just love it. We cover it from every angle. And at Football Guys, just we're bringing you all the great content, the weekly content to help guide your teams, DFS, IDP, Dynasty, any kind of fantasy football, football you can imagine. We've got it covered. That's awesome. And you heard all those. Uh, we just covered a ton of stuff in like 12 minutes. So that's why Sigmund, the man, Sigmund is the man. Check him out on Twitter at Sigmund Bloom. Sigmund, I'll talk to you next week. Look forward to it. Thanks, James. Awesome. Awesome stuff from Sigmund, as always. All right, that's going to do it for the episode seven of this week in fantasy, the week two preview. Good luck, everyone. Big week. You know, you want to start off. It, it, look, you can't. You don't want to get too far down if you're 0-2, 0-3, and think the season is over, but you got to remember there's only a finite amount of weeks in fantasy football, and, and a slow start really can doom your entire season. So really take these weeks seriously and make those right calls and, and go with your gut. You know, you don't always have to listen to rankings. You always have to listen to me. Trust your gut sometimes because ultimately it's your team in the end. So, you know, you don't want to have anyone else to blame but yourself. So, again, it's going to do it for Episode 7 of This Week in Fantasy. We will be back next week, as always, with Sigmund Bloom and a lot, lot more as we preview Week 3 next week. And, uh, again, this has been Episode 7, the Week 2 preview of This Week in Fantasy. You wanna be hardcore with your hat to the back Talking about the gaps in your raps But I can't feel that hardcore appeal that you're screaming Maybe I'm dreaming This ain't